Mums with Hustle podcast, episode 42. Welcome to the Mums with Hustle podcast, where you'll discover everyday mum entrepreneurs killing it in their industry. Learn the secrets you can replicate to create your own success with your host, Tracy Harris. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Mums with Hustle podcast with me, your host, Tracy Harris. And I want to kick things off by thanking today's sponsor, The Argyle Affair. The Argyle Affair is a two-day market held in the beautiful town of Camden, New South Wales, showcasing the wares of talented designers, savvy creatives, and bespoke craftsmen and women. To apply and get your biz off the internet and in front of your target audience for real, head to theargyleaffair.com. With no more than three vendors of the same genre as you, you will stand out at this marketplace. Now, there are indoor and outdoor spaces available with opportunities for vendors to hold a workshop in their space too. How incredible is that? So head to theargyleaffair.com to apply and secure your spot. Okay, so it has really been a while since I've sat down to chat to a mummy blogger. And that is a bit strange to me when I thought about it because I love blogging. At Mums with Hustle, yes, we have a blog that comes out every Friday on our website at mumswithhustle.com. I love blogging as a way to connect with our audience. I love podcasting too, but I know that many of you um, you either have a blog yourself as a compliment to your business or as something that you're trying to develop into a business of your, of its own. Some of you are trying to just grow that blog and grow that that readership and that authority and become that social media influencer. Some people are just at the tail end, like they are just thinking about whether or not starting a blog is even something that they should go into and something that they could s- sustain. Um, so it's about time that I really grab someone who is awesome and kicking some serious goals at the whole mum, mummy blogging game and ask them all of the things that you want and need to know about becoming a successful blogger. And I'm talking about dealing with trolls. I'm talking about how to land um, great guest blogging gigs on some really big platforms. I'm talking about how to monetize your blog, how to come up with content and like killer headlines and content that goes viral all of that stuff. I'm also talking about how to use bloggers and social media influencers to help grow your own brand. So that's for the people that are listening to this as um, business owners of a physical product or of a store. So lots of people like to reach out and work with bloggers and influencers to kind of promote their products. And so in this chat with this incredible biz mum, I actually ask those questions too. So stick around if that is something that you would like to know about. There's so much that we cover in this episode. It really is a great one. And I just know that if you are not already following this babe on social media, on one of the many platforms that she's on, you will be certainly following her by the end of it because she's real and she is awesome. Let's get into it. Today on the podcast, I'm chatting with the gorgeous and talented Olivia White. Olivia is the cool, truth-telling, young mummy blogger behind her blog, House of White. Her blog is all about her new mum journey, 
it's the good, it's the bad, and it's the not so glam bits. There are interviews with inspirational and celebrity mothers and reviews of things and places that Olivia and her babes love. I love this girl because her writing style is always so honest. It's fun, it's transparent, it's entertaining, and it's totally relatable. So it's with great pleasure that I get to say, welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Thank you. (laughs) It's awesome to have you here. And yeah, I'm just going to throw to you straight away to tell us a bit more about yourself, your family, and your blog at House of White. Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, um, like you said, obviously I've got my little blog, which is, um, House of White and, uh, our last name, White, hence the name. Um, so I am 27 and I'm a mum of two young girls. So I have Annabelle, who's coming out for three in October and Theodora, who we call Teddy, um, who's nearly five months now. So that's, I don't know where that's gone. I know. <laughs> Um, and so my, I've been with my husband for 11 years now. So since I was 15, um, my husband, Jeremy, um, he owns his own business. So that business is selling, uh, like mobility aids and equipment for like elderly and disabled. And they work with a lot of hospitals and nursing homes and, and that kind of stuff. So I work in that business part time as well, doing their, um, social media and marketing. And yeah, I guess that sort of us in a nutshell. <laughs> And I guess anything else people can, uh, you know, probably um, jump over to our blog and and have a look and and see what what we're about and what we do. So, yeah. Yes. And it's really cool. Um, I guess it's a, you've got this cool take on a motherhood and lifestyle blog. So, and you, when did you begin that? Um, So I originally began my blog coming up for, I reckon, three years ago now. Um, Wow. And I'm just, I was almost like having a little reminisce in my head just then actually. Yeah. And it was sort of, yeah, around the time that, um, you know, I just had Annabelle and I was just, I guess, feeling a little bit isolated is, is probably the easiest way, um, to explain it where, you know, you're a new mum and you're going through all of this stuff and, you know, the internet is sort of where I sort of turned to and started finding mum blogs. Um, and, you know, parenting websites, you know, with, you know, um, contributing writers and stuff like that. And I was reading their stuff and I was like, wow, you know, it's really good to read this stuff and sort of feel connected. And, you know, I'd really love to do that too, because my background is very similar. I come from a marketing and PR background. I was actually a fashion blogger, uh, for Racing Victoria, um, in 2011 and 2012. So it just sort of seemed a bit of a natural progression for me while on maternity leave. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, to write and share my experiences with people because, you know, that's how I was really sort of like finding my help and my guidance and my reassurance from. So I thought, well, why not do it myself? That is really cool. Okay. So then did you like have to get a website professionally made? I get this question asked by, (laughs) you know, of a lot of bloggers, like what are the practical steps that you followed in those really early days to get started? Well, if you can remember back three years ago. Yeah, I know. As a mum, I remember three minutes ago. But um, look, for me, I must admit, it was uh, a fairly easy and simple process. I am quite tech savvy. So, um, you know, it was, I mean, 
you don't even have to be that tech savvy, I don't think, because I just initially started with a dot WordPress site. Um, so you don't even need to have a dot com or anything like that. You could, can use the, um, the free platform there. And obviously I didn't put any money or anything into it to start. So I just, I just started on there. People can also use, um, Squarespace. They are a bit of a newer platform, bit fancier, a little bit harder to use, but, um, I have actually considered myself moving across to Squarespace just because they have a lot more functionality. But anyway, I won't, <laughs> I won't be going on there. Um, yeah, basically, you know, just get on there, start writing blog posts and then use social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, Tumblr, like I've got them all. <laughs> wow. And, Sna- and Snapchat now, I guess, to start generating traffic to your blog. So, um, that's probably the best, simplest, and easiest way I'd explain to anyone to do it. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like a nice passive income product for you, Olivia, in your spare time should be to write um, some type of guide or do some type of course or ebook or e-course even on like these <laughs> social media platforms to yeah, drive traffic to your blog. It, if you're on all of them, <laughs> I bet you have a lot to say about them. And look, I, I must admit it's very flattering because I do sometimes get asked by people and even some, you know, bigger, bigger profiles and bigger influencers and bloggers who do have, you know, three, four times the following as me would come to me and say, oh, you know, can you give me a hand with this or what should I be doing with this and that? Because it is, it is my thing, like, and I do love yeah. it. And I enjoy, I enjoy being social. I enjoy communicating with people. Like, I must admit, I love what I do. Um, it is a bit of a passion for me. So I really would love to do that one day. <laughs> Well, there you go. Put that on the ideas board and, and get another way of generating income for your business to support you and your family and then you can stay at home a bit longer. Yes. And oh. I do, I'm like you. I do love helping people. So yes, that, would... that is like the ultimate payoff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, once you're all set up with your blog and you're like, yes, blogging is my jam. I love it. I'm going to be a blogger now. How do you start coming up with your content? Um, particularly now, like three, three years down the track, is it all planned out for you like a month or eight weeks in advance or are you just kind of approaching it all on the fly? Um, look, a bit of both. Um, I have gotten a lot better as time has gone on with planning content, especially when you're working with big brands, big PRs, big campaigns. You do need to do some forward planning and you do need to do some, you know, I guess strategy around um, content and what you're going to post and when and, and that kind of thing. Um, but then again, you know, things pop up and they're relevant to the time and they, they are of a time sensitive nature. So sometimes you're sort of, you know, rushing to, to get something up or you'll literally be lying in bed and be like, I need to blog about that. And, you know, I'll get up at like 1am and write a blog. So wow. it, it is a bit of, <laughs> it's like that mum brain always ticking into overdrive. It always seems to happen when you go to bed. But, um, yeah, so look, I think that it's good to think of it from a business perspective and say, hey, you know, I'm going to sit down and do a bit of a plan and, you know, a bit of um, strategic planning and content because you do want to be consistent in your posting and sometimes life gets in the way. So you want to have some backup sitting there or you want to know, hey, in a month's time, I'm doing this massive campaign with such and such. So I'm going to keep that, you know, clear for them. But then again, at the same time, you also need to be flexible and adaptable um, to be able to put things up here and there 
you know, as so how how often then are you contributing pieces to your blog? Is it like a consistent, like once a week, <laughs> twice a week, once a month, or is it? I, when yeah. I first started, and this is sort of you know with the whole when I first started, I didn't really have a niche per se. Like I knew I was a mum blog, but I was sort of just writing things at random almost, and um, I might be posting like three or four things in one week and then I didn't post for a while and it you know when you start anything it's all a learning curve and you adapt and you evolve and you learn new things and now I try and stick to at least I would love to post at least once a week sometimes it is fortnightly I, I do um intend to post weekly at the same time you know sort of generating that in people's minds that that's what they can expect. But unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way, (laughs) especially since having two kids. I used to be very good at it. I'm not so great at it now, but that would be my advice to anyone who was – it doesn't matter if it's weekly, fortnightly, monthly. Just try and be consistent, I guess, is is what to take from that. I think that's really good advice and that's something we've tried to like – start and maintain here at Mums with Hustle from the get-go like and and you're right people do start to learn to kind of predict or expect um, different types of content to be available to them on certain days so Mondays has always been our podcast release Fridays is always our blog post release and Monday is also when you can expect to hear from us in your inbox yeah so yeah, like people kind of know about that. And then I think it was Anzac Day, I felt really funny about sending an email like anything work or business related on Anzac Day before midday. So I held off from sending that email and and I addressed that in my opening paragraph and yeah. the amount of like people that wrote back, they're like, oh, I totally get it. Yes, that makes sense. I was actually wondering where my email was from you, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> but I now know. that's cool. Yeah. Um, lest we forget. Yeah. And then we were like, yes, yes. No, and that's um, really But you're good. right. Yeah. People start to, yeah, have that trust and, and that relationship with you. And if you're not there, then it can make people kind of question where, you, where you've been. Yes. No. It's good. And see, even even just a few hours made a difference for you, but for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I mean, you've obviously been delivering now to your audience because it's it's hard to keep blogging for up to three years. Like blogging is sometimes it's a slow burn to get that going. Oh yeah. Build, very slow. Yeah. <laughs> very slow. And I often get asked to talk about the the blogging dream, like what is it like? Are people really sitting on a tropical island or like really just in their pyjamas chilling out and um, writing these blog posts and getting paid for them? And <clears throat> excuse me, I have to say, well, no, it's like a lot of sacrifice and a lot of unpaid hours spent oh, writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, writing and then you don't even know how many people are reading and it's kind of like, is this even worth my time? And then there's the social media building and that's all unpaid for a really, really long time. So to get to three years, I just want to say kudos to you, Mama. Good oh, on you. Oh, thank you. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, I reckon for the first year, you know, I was only sitting on – a, a few thousand followers and it was really slow, really slow. Um, and it has only sort of been in the last 12 months that I've really seen, I guess, what I describe it as hitting a point of critical mass whereby you start to get 
that traction and you start to get published by other people and the followers start to roll in. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a long and slow road for us. You know, um, some people are fortunate enough, I guess, to see overnight success for whatever reason or, um, but no, that wasn't us. Like we've just been slow and steady in the background. <laughs> yeah. No. And you've done amazing. So, you Thank know, you. it's, it's obviously a passion because that's how you've managed to continue for this long. So yeah, I just wanted definitely. to, yeah, I wanted to say that to you. Thank you. Um, so you've chatted to us about how you come up with that content and that need to be, a, you know, to have the forward planning, particularly when you're working on the larger campaigns. But I wanted to chat to you about the importance of coming up with a really cool or attention-grabbing headline. <laughs> Because you've had some posts go really viral, which is so cool. And having a cool headline gets people clicking. So how, how do you come up with your headlines? Um, look, I, uh, it's only sort of yet again been recent that I've really, I guess, being a personal blog as opposed to, you know, just sort of, you know, general whatever it might be, um, that you need to have, I guess, what you call clickbait titles where someone sees an extract or they see a title and they go, whoa, I want to read that. And it might not necessarily be what the title invoked you to think. And this is what massive publications do because they've done it to me. Um, Yeah. But, you know, there are millions upon millions of blog posts there are millions upon millions of articles like you need to be able to create an interest you know in your story or in your piece or whatever it might be because if I post something to Instagram or I post something to one of my social media platforms to say hey there's a new blog go and read it people like there's got to actually be quite a few steps involved for people because they're going to go oh hey Liv's got a new blog post and I'm going to go to her website you know so it might mean scrolling up to the link or typing it into their phone and then finding the blog post and reading it so you've really got to give people a reason to um to to go there and want to go and read it because you know it's not necessarily right there for them to read if that makes sense. No, that is a really good tip because, you know, a lot of biz mums and bloggers are asking, you know, how do we get people to leave Instagram and go over to our website? Like you've mm-hmm. got to have, yeah, you've got to make it be compelling. So um, when you do come out with a new blog post, Olivia, and you're going to advertise it on Instagram, yep. how are you doing that with your image and then caption? Um, I guess for me, like, there's a few things that go into it. So um, I might write a blog post and you want to publish it then and there, but you're like, okay, like this isn't, you know, midday on a Wednesday is not the right time to tell people there's a blog post. You've got to think of your audience and you've got to think, hey, when am I going to sit down and read this? As a mum, when do I have time? So, you know, naturally any time before like 8 p.m. is pretty much useless. And, you know, you've got to think how much time is it going to take them to read this? You know, is the three minutes that you might get in between, you know, screaming children, you know, going to be enough? No, probably not. So for me, automatically means evenings, um, Sunday nights, while they can be good, they're, they're almost a write-off for me because I, a lot of older people, uh, with, oh, sorry, older children are getting kids ready for school and getting all that done. So <laughs> there is actually quite a thought process that goes into it. Um, you know, deciding on when to post and how to post it, you know, sometimes the photo might not even be directly relevant to the blog post, but it's something that I know is going to stop people when they're scrolling and be like, oh, hey, you know, it's a really cute picture of Teddy and then, you know, read the caption and see, oh, he's got a new blog post as well and it's about this. Yeah. I'm going to go and read that. 
Okay. That is a really that is a really good tip. Yes, because obviously Instagram is a very visual place. Mm, so you exactly. kind of need to stand out while people are scrolling madly through that feed. Like the engagement on Instagram, yeah, part of it can be measured, but a lot of it can't be. And I think if we just all think about our scrolling habits, like sometimes we see amazing things on our feed, but we don't even click like. Or we don't even open it to read a little bit more. No. Um, And 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 that doesn't mean that we didn't love the picture. Yeah. But we're just, so like you really, you really need to have something attention grabbing. So it's fantastic that you seem to know your audience so well in terms of like when you post and, and what your readers would be doing at that time. And then obviously posting accordingly and then even using a picture that's going to kind of get them in. I think that's very savvy of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and look, I yeah. don't always get it right, you know, and it is always, um, you know, hit and miss and a learning curve. And um, often when it doesn't pay off for me, I guess, or I don't get the views I expected or I don't, it, you know, doesn't get the likes or people aren't going across is that I sort of like to go back and assess, okay, what potentially could have happened. Like when I started doing my Facebook lives, I did them on a Monday night to start. I thought, oh, Monday night, perfect. And then completely forgot that Love Child had started again. Like okay. it's little, it's little things like this. Yeah. Where, you know, I'm like, I'm doing a live video and that's, you know, when I want the people to come and watch, I don't want them to watch later. Um, you know, you got to take those kind of things into consideration. And even when I post on Instagram, I think, okay, What's everyone doing right now? What am I doing? What are they doing? You know? So, yeah. I yeah. think that's so clever because, you know, in our in our local area, we had someone running these really cool events for entrepreneurs, like just to come and like, I don't know, I think there were guest speakers and tappers and beers and, and it was like sounding amazing, but they hadn't kind of checked out the social calendar of their clientele and it happened to fall on both of the State of Origin nights. <laughs> Oh, like no. it just, and then like, yeah, business awards nights and it was like, no. So obviously, yeah, it, what I'm hearing from you is it really comes down to knowing your audience and you've yeah. certainly switched on to that. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of chatted a bit about how you come up with your content and then the importance of that great headline and the whole idea of the clickbait um, that you explained there. I wanted to ask you, Olivia, for your top tips on writing a popular blog post because, again, you've had some great viral success. So <laughs> what what do you keep in mind when you're coming up with a great blog post? Um, look, I think for me uh, you need to do a little bit of, I guess, you know, insight on, on yourself and really figure out, how your audience is connecting with you. You know, is it that really personal journey that they feel like they're on with you where you can be writing your experiences and sometimes I guess go into a little bit more detail with people because they're just, they want to know. They want to know everything about you. And for me, while I do have that, I also find that it's the short and funny, like just really honest um, blog posts where it may not sort of be a lengthy description of something. It'll sort of just be a short, sweet, um, you know, this is it. This is motherhood. This is me, you know, with a little bit of humor thrown in there. Um, and keeping it, I guess, you know, between four and 600 words is sort of where I sort of aim for mentally, um, uh, when writing something. Cause I'm like, I just want to be able to read something and be like, Oh yeah, 
oh, this this chick gets me. Like this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> this made me feel better about my day. I'm like, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that I love writing and I, I love the comments that I get from that. And while it does generate a lot of negativity out of people, it doesn't bother me because most of it is um, taken out of context in a way that it's, you know, um, not the full story, which, you know, I could go on with a thousand, two thousand word blog post explaining everything or I could just tell it like it is and the people that get me get me and the people that don't will stop it yeah ah I love it because that's a scary thing like the the more of a profile you build for yourself um and the more successful you become the more open to like trolls and (laughs) like you you become do you do how do you deal like what 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 are some of the things you've experienced and how do you deal with that oh like especially when articles go viral and get posted by other publications, it's not even people that follow me. Like the followers that you have on your blog aren't really that likely to troll you because what's the point in following someone and then trolling? They're probably going to block you anyway. Like, So the people that follow me are relatively support, uh, uh, pretty much 100% supportive. Yeah. Um, on the odd occasion where you do sort of get some trolls and hate and get, you know, comments from people um, judging your parenting, they don't, they don't know you. Like people only know the little squares you post on Instagram and the little snippets of your life that you give them. Um, they don't know 98% of your life. So I sort of just think to myself, well, my friends know me, my family know me and everyone know I'm a good person and a good mum. Anyone else outside of that, they don't know the full story. So, you know, sometimes you can't even blame them for. For thinking you know, what they're for thinking. For thinking, they think yeah. it's not okay to write that and try and intentionally hurt someone's feelings. But, you know, you, you, you can think what you want. Like everyone's entitled to that. Just don't write it is, you know, I guess. <laughs> There's yeah. no need to write things like I had one comment. I think it was on The Sun, so you can imagine the, you know, kind of audience it is anyway. Someone said, judging by this picture, so they actually said judging. <gasps> judging by yeah. this picture, she looks too young and immature to have children anyway. <gasps> and all I took from that was, oh, well, she thinks I look young. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I must be I love it. The glass right. half full. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was some really like, because obviously in the most recent one that I wrote, um, you know, the 20 crappy mum confessions, that was more just about connecting with people that they could find at least one thing on that list and be like, oh, yes, I do that too. Like it's not just me and, you know, not everything on – I don't do all those things every day collectively, obviously. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, probably at least 15 of them. But, (laughs) um, you know – reading the comments of people are saying things like, you know, I get inboxes all the time saying, thank you so much. Like that made me feel really better about myself. Like I was feeling really guilty. I was really, really down. And I'm like, you know, that's nice. It's nice that people are able to read your stuff and take away from it. You know, at least I feel like I'm not alone, which is ultimately at the end of the day, why I started my blog. So if I made someone feel like they weren't alone, then my job is done. And I couldn't really care less what anyone else has to say. Yeah. I just love your mindset. I think that it's like, you've really got to have that stuff in check when you enter the sphere or the realm of blogging or um, putting your life on social media, because yeah, otherwise you're going to be, you're quickly going to lose that passion for what you do if you yes. kind of don't have the mindset to kind of deal with it and shake it off like Taylor Swift says, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and when people say things to you like, 
oh, you're a terrible mother and why did you even have children if you obviously don't even like them? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like. Okay, well, that person's 12 years old writing that comment. Oh, I know. And I like some of them, you know, were really just this, you know, blunt and aggressive, like, you're a shit person, you're a shit mum. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear on the podcast. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Basically, they're suggesting that you should give up on life. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, how unhappy do you have <laughs> to be in your own life to sit at a keyboard and write stuff on articles, on publications, Yeah, you know, about people that you you don't know and you haven't met? Because I doubt that was the first time that they threw shade at someone. Yeah, exactly. Ah, but oh, well, whatever. And then, you know, it gives you more engagement. So Facebook likes that and it shows your content to more people. That's yeah. how you can look at it. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, cool. We just chatted about the top tips for writing a blog post. That was on my list of like things to ask you because mm-hmm. yeah, you've had great success there. So four to 600 words, have a great title. Um, and just, again, it's coming down to knowing, knowing your audience. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you if you don't mind walking us through your strategy for growing your readership. Like, Again, coming back to the three years in the making thing for you there at, at House of White, and when I said it can be a slow burn, you were like, oh, yes, it can be a slow burn. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what has been your strategy to kind of like keep going and grow this readership and the traffic that comes to your website? How have you gone about it? Um, look, at and this is probably why I guess, you know, it has been a slow process for me. It is all trial and error. And as the social media platforms have evolved and new ones have begun, it's, um, I think it's really important to understand each platform, what it's used for, how you can use it to your advantage if it's worth it for you, because not all of them are worth it for everybody, uh, depending on what they're doing and how you can, um, cross-promote them if that makes any sense or how you can send, you know, people from one to the other and and that and then use that to your advantage as a blogger perhaps with um, with paid work. So we have most. Um, I did eventually give up on Tumblr. I think it's just a bit outdated. I think, you know, Pinterest is where it's at for that kind of stuff. But then at the same yeah. time I don't use Pinterest that much because I am a very personal blogger, so a lot of the stuff is us, our family. We don't do too much in the way of, like, children's clothing. We're not trying to be a brand rep or we're not trying to do lifestyle. So um, I don't put too much content and spend too much time over there, not to say it is amazing for the right people. Um, okay. So for us, the big ones are obviously Instagram. It's where our biggest following is. Uh, Facebook, Snapchat is huge now. I get so much traffic and such a personal connection with people from Snapchat. Um, and I guess now that I've started doing the Facebook Live and why I chose to do Facebook Live over YouTube is because Facebook has obviously changed a lot of the way that they, they work and what they will show. Facebook yeah. are really trying to push their, their video um, and their Facebook Live. So they will put your video as preference to something else because it's, I guess, advertising their own their own stuff. So that's yeah. why I went with Facebook Live. It's also because at the same time, you know, I can be connecting with my audience who can ask me live questions, who can feel like they're literally talking to me in their lounge room because essentially they are. As where a YouTube video, you know, you do something, I guess, that's, you know, posted, edited and 
you can put what you want and you can make it look how you want and you can edit yourself to be how you want. But I wanted to give people that raw experience. The unfiltered Olivia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, not, not to say that if you can be successful on YouTube, there is a lot of money to be made and there is, um, you know, a lot to gain from it. I was just basically like, I don't have the time to generate people over to another platform. Um, you know, my content wasn't so much going to be about longevity. It was going to be about the now. And that's why live, I think is the best option for that. So, um, if anyone who had a, who wanted to sort of, you know, have a personal blog, like a mum blog or this or that, where it's about their life, I would go Facebook live before I went to YouTube. So. Cool. And then what about Snapchat? Like, how is that different to Facebook live? Like what, are you sharing the same type of content or you've got a different approach to how you use that platform? Snapchat. Um, I must admit, look, I've had Snapchat pretty much since it began and I was very, very reluctant to turn it to public just because the way it was initially used to begin with. And I was basically like, I yeah, don't... I've heard the rumors. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> Maybe um, that's my, my social circle. But that's yeah. A- well, from that, you know, I did notice quite a few people were using it and because people weren't, I guess, so around it and what they were posting. Like I know I was following a few bloggers and like you're posting your kids naked and stuff. And I'm like, one of my, I mean, this is, this is probably why I was so funny about it is that one of my friends works for child protection and she was saying that, you know, be really careful with Snapchat because we've had a few incidents where people were screenshotting pictures and stuff like that. And while you think, oh yeah, it's only up uh. for a few seconds, it doesn't stop someone from screenshotting it. And you don't know where that image goes as where obviously you're a bit more mindful of the content you post on your other platforms. Yeah. So. I guess once I sort of got my head around that and basically accepted that, look, Snapchat's where it's at, I've got to get on it, um, I don't regret the decision at all. And I just sort of, I guess, do almost like a what's happening in my day, which is mostly boring mum stuff, to be honest. Um, you know, it's my kids yelling at me or this, that, the other. But it's just another way that you can connect with people and, you know, feel normal and not feel so alone and, my Snapchat's actually open so people can reply to me and I get hundreds and hundreds of responses from people a day. <laughs> I do look at them oh, all. Oh, wow. It's so time-consuming. But um, I think that's the whole point of it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not just being like, hey, look at me and I don't care about you. It's a two-way, it's a two-way street. So that's been a big part for me of um, connecting with my audience and so that's what I use my Snapchat for and you know it could be something random like what the kids are doing where we're going going to the supermarket you know but yeah people are interested on the person yeah connecting on the personal level again yeah yeah well I like that you say that it's not just about you and that engagement with your audience and responding to people and even like on Instagram and Facebook that is just so important because Mm -hmm. that's all people want is to be validated that you kind of know that they exist or that they did take the time to write you a comment because that's a big deal. If someone is like stopping in their tracks to write you a comment, like that is, that's huge on social media. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be, it can be hard on Instagram. I think uh, especially being on your phone. So I use a program, you're probably familiar with it called Iconosquare and I say that the, 
they they do cost now. It didn't used to. It's only like $15 a year. But you can actually go on there on your computer and bring up your comments and reply to people on your computer. So often I'll just allocate 10, 15 minutes um, every couple of days and I'll go in and I'll read people's comments and I'll respond because I think it is really important. Um, DMs, I always reply to them when I can. I mean, it takes me a while. Um, but even if you look at someone like Ashley Bynes, like she's huge and she does make a very conscious effort to connect with her audience and respond to people, whether it's her or a staff member, but that's a big appeal, um, that people have with her and it works. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like bloggers and social media influencers, uh, like we're trying to build a relationship with people. So it is a two way street. You can't just put out the me, me, me and and never write back to anyone. But it is certainly a challenge. It's really hard. But I find for myself I have to set, you know, a goal and it might be today I'm going to get back to 10 people that left me a comment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and and then you go through like a couple of posts and I just pick 10 people and I will like write something back to them. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, as your account grows you can't, really be writing back to everyone. I think Lauren Kate, when she was on the podcast, oh, it's such a long time ago now, she <laughs> said that she reads every comment and she just like appreciates every single comment, but she's gotten to the point where she can only really respond if someone has asked a question and yeah. not really written a statement. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and it's okay to say that because at the end of the day, I think, um, hopefully we've got this rapport with our tribes or with our followers um, and people kind of trust us and know who we are and know that what we're doing comes from a good place and a genuine place and it would be impossible to imagine that we just sit there all day writing back to everyone. Yeah, oh, I know, and trust me, like um, I wish I wish that I could sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it must uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, when you get up for a feed and stuff like that, I do go in and it's those comments and, and that connection with people that sort of, you know, really gets me going, like gets me through those 3 a.m. feeds. And, but yeah, you can't always reply to them. No. Oh, well, I'm, I have that to look forward to. I forgot about those night feeds. The 3 a.m. <laughs> one was a killer. Yeah. yeah. Never loved it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when I turned to Pinterest and Instagram and clearly got addicted and then had wild business ideas. <coughs> and look at where we are now. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you have learned as a blogger? Um, I guess the biggest lesson for me was learning how much time and effort goes into it. Um, it has been, you know, a long road for us, you know, three years and I wasn't always able to dedicate the time. And it, it was at a point where I left a job and, um, was looking for something else that I said, oh, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. Like I'm just going to put everything into it and see what I can do. Um, and it paid off, which is fantastic. Uh, I was lucky enough that I could do it. Um, I was pregnant, I think like a couple of weeks pregnant with Teddy anyway when I left the job and I was like, well, no one's going to hire me now anyway. So I thought, oh, well, I might as well make a go of it and um, see what I can do. And if the only thing that came from it that I was doing something that I enjoyed, uh, then I was happy. But um, realising how much time and effort goes into it um, versus, you know, the output that you'll get, um, you know, you really, 
you know, if you want to do it as a hobby, so be it. But if you do want to monetize your blog, you do want to make it your business. Um, yeah, a lot goes into it. <laughs> a lot goes into it and you can't, it's like, um, parenthood, like when you're expecting your first child, everyone's like, Oh, you're never going to sleep again. Or you don't know what tired is. You think being out at the club and then waking up at nine or eight to go to work is really hard. Well, yeah. Welcome to, you know, parenthood. Say goodbye to all that or sleep now while you can and all of that stuff. And yep. you kind of listen, but you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I've got this. Like, yeah, you I know what it's going to be. Never understand. Like. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> you never understand. No. <laughs> It's like that with blogging or like podcasting or like, yes, you've got to be in it for the long haul if you have plans to make it be your business. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I think we've drummed that into people a couple of times. So that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I'm not sure. easy. And that's why I'm, I just think bloggers um, and social media influencers just deserve so much respect for what they do and their oh, resilience you. and hard work, like to get to the place that people like you are at. Um, because, yeah, I know what goes into it and it is damn hard work. So, yeah. Shout out to all the people, yeah, monetizing their blog and and doing, you know, creating a biz out of it because it's not easy. Okay. Well, you know, let's talk mummy bloggers for a second because sometimes they cop a bit of like flack for what they do. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, it's just, uh, again, it's hard work and it's not easy. So what have you come across to be some of the biggest pain points for mum bloggers and then how have you overcome them? Um, look, I must admit that I have in my travels as, as a mum blogger, obviously come across there, there can sometimes be, um, a little bit of competition between mum bloggers. Um, I myself am of the motto that it, you know, there are billions of people on this earth and there are billions of people that, you know, could be potential readers and interested. And it's not like, you know, if someone reads one person's blog, they're not going to read another's. So, um, Look, there, you know, there is, I guess, a little bit of that. And also I think that there has been quite a rise of the mum bloggers in the last little while. And with that, you know, with that and with that rise and with those people getting success, a lot of people flock to the space and now there's a lot of people. So the attitude from some people can be like, oh, another mummy blogger. And, yeah, you know, you can you can say that, but if mum blogs aren't your thing and you don't want to read them, well, that's fine. There, there is definitely an audience. There's definitely a target out there for them. And at the end of the day, you know, things going in, in and out of style, but motherhood's always going to be there. And yes. I think that it's, um, I think that it's important, you know, whether I'm here tomorrow or in five years time or, you know, um, all the other mum bloggers that are in the space at the moment, there's always going to be a place for people. Um, everyone's journey is different. Every child is different. Every baby is different. Every mother is different. And you will find people that you connect with. And then there'll be others where you're like, yeah, they're not my cup of tea. And I think that it's important for people in our space to recognize that. And when I hear things like, oh, did you see what so-and-so wrote? Um, they're copying this person. I'm like, at the end of the day, we're all mum. Our content is always going to be of a similar nature. Um, so, you know, you really can't get caught up on that. You just need to do what you do, do what you do best. And, you know, if people are interested, they'll read. And if they're not, they won't. You can't worry about what everyone else is doing. Yeah, 100%. Amen. Preach this stuff. Preach. <laughs> 
Well, if yeah, you spend no, so much true. time worrying about what everyone else is doing, you'll notice on yourself and what you're doing and where you're going and where you want to be if you're constantly yeah. looking at someone else. So Yes, and it's the same in business. Like if you're trying to pretend or write copy or write captions like in a voice that someone else has or write a blog in the way that someone else does, um, eventually you're going to tire of that or you're going to slip up and like the real you is going to come out or you're just going to hate blogging because it's it becomes hard because you have to keep up this kind of facade. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I will admit that when I first started, I wasn't confident. It That wasn't coming through. That was coming through in my writing where I may have been, um, I held back a lot uh, through the fear of judgment and ridicule. Um, I would perhaps try and write in a style that wasn't me um, and it didn't work. And the proof is in the pudding that, you know, it did take me a little while to build myself up. And, you know, I'm more than happy to admit that, you know, that's what I did and I did it wrong. And now I am myself and I've got so much more confidence now because people respond to me so positively and people are like, hey, you know, I want to follow you and read your stuff. And I'm like, oh. This is so much easier than I thought. I just had to be myself and <laughs> yeah. not worry about that that ridicule and judgment because it's going to come because you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and you can't worry about, you know, this person or that person, you know, be like, oh, they're doing so much better than me or um, this person like, oh, I don't like them because they come across like this. I'm like, well, you don't have to like them. Um, and you don't have to understand why other people like them. Do you know what I mean? You be you, do your thing, and you'll be fun. Yes. Well, I love that you said all that because I hear from a lot of people that say that they want to start a blog, but there's already so many mum bloggers out there. Oh, sorry. And- <laughs> But there's but there's only one you, and like you've you look through life through your lens, so you can only kind of um communicate that through your pieces and you know obviously I have a different take on things so yeah we can both be mum bloggers and as you say there may be some overlaps um in some of the content or the experiences but ultimately we come from very different paths and we have a different take on things and then different kids and so that throws a different dynamic into what you're experiencing yeah um I I love what you said there's room for everyone in in that space Yeah, and we should all be supportive of each other, you know. Um, Helping someone else succeed will not dampen your own success. You know, giving to someone else um, will not disadvantage you. And I'm very proud to say that there's a lot of mum bloggers um, who you're probably familiar with, you know, with both big and small profiles because, you know, a number on a screen does not define you or make you better than anyone else. No. (laughs) Um, Who, you know, I'm – very supportive of, always happy to help answer their questions, um, you know, congratulate them on their success. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Like there are a lot of fantastic people in the space. So, um, it's good to share it with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And good people often hang with good people. So yeah, that's it. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Like you said. Yes, it really does. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to let you have the spotlight now to kind of, Talk to us about some of your biggest blogging achievements to date. Like, don't be shy. We want to know <laughs> what are some of the exciting things that you are really proud of. And then how can we kind of replicate it to kind of have that same type of exposure or success? I think that it depends on the individual in what you define as success. So, 
Um, I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, like mentioned earlier, I've had a few articles go viral. I mean, not, you know, only a, a couple. And it is really nice to see that and really exciting to see your stuff just, you know, constantly get picked up by people. I mean, half the time they're not asking you for permission, but eh, I'll take it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, it. You know, and it is, it, it's good, you know, that's, but it's not what I, th- I guess I, um, I write for. You know, I'm, I'm not writing articles just so they can go viral. That's not my expectation. It is, um, you know, a positive sort of byproduct of it. You know, really nice when it does happen. But I guess for me, it's more about, so if I write something, there's quite a few publications that I'll pitch to. I quite often pitch to Mamma Mia and the Motherish and, you know, some parenting websites. And it's really nice when these, you know, these editors come back to you and say, I love it. It's a great piece of writing. We want to publish it. I, that's what you know, that's sort of something for me that I find as a really great achievement that you know they're acknowledging that you know it's a good piece of writing and that they, they want to um they would publish that, it yeah yeah and I guess another thing for me is when I post something like I I really like to post stuff uh with meaning and purpose so you know um, quite recently I've posted pictures of like when I was pregnant and talking about body image and how important it is to me having young girls. And then again, um, I posted some images like within a week of me having Teddy. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the most glamorous of pictures. Um, you know, I posted one where I'm in like Nana knickers with like, slicked back oily hair. And just the comments that I get on that from people and the messages I get from people um, about, how meaningful it was to them and how good it made them feel and how connected they felt with me, that's a real achievement for me that I have made a difference and that I, you know, my post had purpose. And um, I'm actually doing a photo shoot coming up with a photographer who I quite often work with and we did a call out for women to come to us and say, you know, that have had, you know, body image issues and it doesn't have to be around motherhood or pregnancy, could be around anything. And I had some truly amazing and heartbreaking stories you know um that these people came to me with and then at the end of that said you know I want to share my story and I want to help other people who've been through what I've been through and I'm like some of this is some really raw stuff and um when the photo shoot comes to fruition and people hear these stories they're going to be like oh my god wow and I just burst into tears that these people felt that they could trust me to yeah. tell me this. And one of them was actually one of my best friends who I did not know this. Um, she came to me and, you know, told me something and said she wanted to be a part of it. And I was just like, wow, like I never expected that I could reach people and touch people and, you know, my words could mean something to people. And it is, it's extremely rewarding um, more than any kind of, I guess, uh fame or publicity you get in yourself um that you know you've done something that potentially has changed someone's life so I guess that's a big achievement for me and the other thing is that um like I do like to like I'm organizing a charity event in that area at the moment and just using my platform that I've worked so hard like so so hard to build use it for a good purpose and not abusing it and not just using it as a, as a money maker or a way to shove myself in people's faces. Um, actually using it for good, you know, where I can give a voice to people that might not necessarily have it or, or, you know, I can connect people, um, in a way because I've become very fortunate to have this platform. 
So yes. I guess for me, <laughs> that is some of my biggest achievements um, and what I'm most proud of. But it's different for everyone and, and everyone's in it for their own reasons and different reasons. And I don't think that you should ever be ashamed at any kind of success or what you um, define it to be, define it to be as long as it's not hurting or affecting anyone else. You should never have to apologize for, um, you know, what you're doing and the achievements that you've made and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but for me personally, they are my achievements <laughs> that I oh, treasure I most. Oh, I love it. Yes, <laughs> because it is a privilege and an honour to be given like these platforms that we have yeah. and it's only because people support what you do that that you can kind of do what you do. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that you're giving back. I love that what I'm hearing from you is that the ultimate takeaway is that you're making a difference to other people mm-hmm. um, and helping them share their stories. I'm so excited to see, yeah, this project come together, this photo shoot. It does sound yeah. like it's going to bring a few people to tears. Yeah. Um, and everyone's hopefully. got amazing stories to tell and everyone can help someone. That's it. There's something to be learned from everyone. Um, and, you know, everyone's got a story worth hearing, I think. So that'll be good. Hopefully yes. Look, well, probably won't happen in the next couple of weeks because we are looking. We're looking to get a major sponsor on board, and we're pitching to a few major, major publications. So, a lot of time and effort goes into it, and it is a self-funded project. So, um, but it'll be awesome. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, best of luck with that, and make sure you keep us updated with how that goes. Because yeah, yes. I'd love love to support that too at Mums with Hustle if I can do anything. Thank you. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned pitching guest blog posts to larger blogs mm-hmm. um, or online, you know, mediums. So what what goes into a pitch? Because I think that's something that the people listening to this podcast, you know, will be able to learn from and maybe kind of action themselves. Yeah. Um, look, there, there are quite a lot of publications out there um, who simply just have like submission boxes and anyone can submit to them. Um, and, and from that, a lot of the time, like all of these, these, um, media outlets sort of have their eyes on each other's pages. So they might see something and be like, Oh, we want to publish that too. And that's quite often when your stuff does go, go viral. But I guess it's just about knowing your kind of writing. And where that kind of writing is going to resonate, you know, where your audience are. And I've sort of got a list, um, that I keep on my computer with different publications and they're sort of put into categories as like, you know, depending on the kind of content you're writing, like who I'll pitch to. And always, I never ever send 10 people an email from like the one email, if that makes sense. I will always individually write to someone, um, personalize it and, Make, make it obviously, you know, that, that I'm pitching to you. I'm not just pitching to anyone to pick up my stuff. I'm pitching to you and I'm pitching to you for a reason. So I'll always sort of write to them what it's about, why I'm pitching it to them and why I think mm-hmm. it resonates with their audience. Um, I quite often put it in the body of the email and as an attachment because some people prefer one or the other. So I just cover both bases. I always include imagery, like supportive imagery, a bio, just everything that they're going to need so that they don't have to keep asking for stuff if they do want to publish it. Just make it as easy as possible for them. So if they want it, they can just take it. 
Okay. So, so yeah, kind of make it irresistible, like hard to say no to. It's all there. It's got a headline. It's got yep. everything. It's got subheadings. It's good to go. Exactly. So rather than being, oh, I've got this blog post. Let me know if you like it and if you want to publish it. I'm like, here's a post. Here's everything you need. You've got my permission. Let me know. Like send me the link when it's posted almost. Like, yeah. you know, you've got to have a bit of confidence in your writing. If you're publishing, don't be like, oh, I wonder if they're going to like it. Be yeah. confident. They're going to like it. If you like it, they're going to like it. Yeah. Don't even just approach it by saying, I've got this blog post. Please let me know if you'd want to check it out. Like just deliver it to them. That's what I saying. think just deliver it to them. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, even if you might not be that confident about it. And trust me, I get a lot of no replies, a lot of no's. Like it's not like everything I write gets published. So be prepared that, you know, 10 no's, and one yes is a success. Yeah. Don't stop. <laughs> I love that. And obviously these are unpaid. Oh, things. yeah, they're always unpaid, especially because um, sometimes I like to publish them on my own blog. So even if I've given it to that publication first, I still might publish it on my own. So um, yeah. some of them do offer to pay you and I actually just decline. Yeah. I just say okay. you can have the article, but I want to be able to give it to other people as well or publish yes. it on my own. Because so then they own to- that piece, yeah. Yeah. So it's up to you how you want to work it. Uh, they don't pay that much anyway, so I don't I don't see any value in it. The value in it for me is the exposure and connecting with a larger audience, so each to their own. Yes. Okay. Well, that's another <laughs> classic example of how hard it is to be a blogger because, like, you're writing these pieces for people and it's, like, unpaid work. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's the reality. That's the reality of what we do. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask, start talking to you now, Olivia, about different ways that people can actually start to monetize their blog and at what point in their blogging biz can they kind of start to consider doing this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess a lot of people when they first start or – back in the day when we started, uh, you didn't really know there was an opportunity to monetize and it was through people finding me that um, I sort of really started to recognize that opportunity. And then as I grew, you know, PR companies would contact me and stuff like that. And one of the things I quite often hear from other mum bloggers is, oh, how do you get so many offers? How, how do you get so much quality paid work? And it's because I'm proactive rather than reactive um, in what I do and who I work with. So when I got to, you know, a significant number of followers and I had, you know, some good stats on my blog, I created a media kit and I made sure that I got on the mailing lists of a lot of big PR companies. So I would email them and I would introduce myself. I would tell them a little bit about myself and why uh, I would be someone worthy of them working with and the kind of brands they represented uh, and how we could work together. And I had a very, very good response from that. And so moving forward from that, all these PRs, I'm on their mailing list and any opportunities that come up, they do come through. So, um, and that's one thing that, you know, I don't think a lot of people do. They're reactive and they'll do things that might not necessarily fit their niche or fit their market, but because, you know, it just seemed to fall into their inbox, they say, oh, you know, an opportunity to get paid. As where I will say, I want to work with, Target or Cotton On Kids or whoever it might be, um, this is how I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it happen. So I guess for me, that's been a big part of 
monetizing my blog and monetizing my blog in a way that it fits with us, yeah. um, that I feel comfortable, that I feel comfortable that I'm being authentic with my audience. Um, you know, we do quite a lot of experiences and travel because that's a big part of our family. So if we're going to go on a holiday, I'll say, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? What appeals to our audience? What appeals to us? Who can we work with? And I'll go to them and I'll give them a proposal of what what I want to do, why it benefits both them and us, how I would execute it, what I can offer them in sense of deliverable, so like social media, blog posts, this, that, the other, um, and then go from there if they're yeah. interested. I love so. it, but it, it's all stuff that is authentic to you and your mummy experience and lifestyle and, and audience. Like it's never any, you just say, like, as you said, an opportunity arriving in your inbox or in your lap and you're like, oh yeah, cool. That's going to pay me this much. I'll just kind of run with it. Like you're, you're obviously way more intentional about it and authentic in what you do. Definitely. And look, Sometimes I look most of the time I am of the motto sort of don't kiss and tell. So, you know, someone might look at my Instagram feed and not be able to work out what's what's paid, what's sponsored, what's free product and what's, you know, just our random content. Um and people may think more or less like I don't it's one of those things where I don't think people can pick it. Like I quite often get asked by people when I post the girls in bonds, "Oh, is that sponsored?" I've never worked with bonds. I do know the girls from Bonds and they are fantastic, but the kind of bloggers that they work with are those real sort of like um, lifestyle, like they take amazing pictures, just something I do not do. And um, they work with some fantastic people, but they, they're very selective in who they work with. Um, when I post Bonds, it's just me. Uh, but a lot of people probably think it's not. But yeah. then, for example... I'm just actually looking, you know, at my, at my feed now. Like we work with um, Bobuck Shoes. They send us gifted products sometime because, one, I love their shoes. It's amazing. Um, who doesn't want, you know, shoes for their kids because they go through them so quickly. Totally. Totally. Um, and that's just, a, you know, a great little partnership that we have. You know, I know the PR quite well. Um, you know, it's, it's not a, a paid thing, but it is, you know, in exchange for product. And that's what I like to do. I like to create... Um, trustworthy relationships with, you know, with brands and businesses as an ongoing thing because I think consistency is key and, you know, for example, my hairdresser, she's the only person who does my hair um, and I, she's a friend of mine so I always promote her business and, and that kind of thing and she has had a huge influx of business from it. You know, she gets people coming from abroad to come and get their hair done by her because it's oh, who wow. does my hair. Yeah. Um, and I get offers all the time from people like, you know, oh, we'll do it for free for you. I'm like, no, like I'm supporting my friend. She's amazing. You know, um, I wouldn't be doing anyone any favors if I went anywhere else because yeah. you do, you build that trust with your audience. So you do. And you said that you would rather, um, what was the word that you used? You'd rather take an ambassadorship. Mm-hmm. than like a one-off thing from someone. Yeah, and a big one, a big ambassadorship that I um, uh, was a part of was Medela. Um, so I did several blog posts for them and social media posts and obviously the product, but I already used Medela products. Like I swore by their breast pump in my first pregnancy and when I had Annabelle. So that was just a no-brainer for me. I love their business. I love their product. I love what they're about. And I was more than happy to work with them. And obviously, you know, doing blogs and pictures and, and whatnot 
takes time and it was a paid ambassadorship, but, you know, it was authentic. It was at a relevant time for us because I'd obviously just had Teddy. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. As where, you know, 50 other businesses that had approached me, I was like, no, we would never use that. I would never do that. That's not, that doesn't fit with us. So, um, well, yeah, I'm going to have to go to your blog and read all those posts because that's <laughs> going to be me in a very short while. And two <laughs> years ago when I had Ethan, I mean, I can't even, oh, well, I don't even know what breast pump I had, but nah, not a fan and I kind of regretted it. So, yeah, I'm like back on the market for the breast pump. Yes. So I'm going to go read your read your blog pieces about the Medela. Yeah, and they were, they were very personal pieces. They were more than happy because, you know, I always say to brands, I'm not just going to do a straight up review for you. That does not translate well on my blog and it does not translate well for you because people aren't just going to go read a, you know, a blog review. post reviewing about yeah. the Medela unless you were Googling on the internet the Medela breast pump. As where for me, I just shared my journey of breastfeeding and the difficulties that I had because I relied very heavily on my breast pump. I was only able to pump because I couldn't breastfeed like naturally and stuff like that. So it was more about that and more about, um, you know, I guess the tools that I used and, and the troubles that we went through and, and that kind of thing. So that's how I like to present my content. And if I don't think that there's a natural integration for us from a personal aspect, I won't work with them. Yeah. I love it. You've got like some hardcore blogging values there. That, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think, and, and that's going to make you get more work and it's going to make you have that respect of your audience and become a trusted Hopefully. authority. Yeah. Um, I think it is. It's all like a, a big ripple effect. So you keep doing what you do. Thank I, you. can I ask you one more question? And it comes up a little bit in our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our private group. And that is about bloggers needing to get paid versus not like, yeah, maybe not having the right to being paid even Um, because maybe someone with a product, for example, or a service is providing you as a blogger with their product and it's gifted so you're not paying for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, but then there are bloggers out there that, then need payment as well to go ahead with the blog paste or the social media posts um, and whatnot. So, and then, you know, that can get some people offside thinking, quite frankly, like, why do I need to pay a blogger or a social media influencer when I'm already gifting them my product and it's worth $120 or it's worth $50 or $20 or whatever the value is? They're already getting the product for free. Do I really need to pay them or should I? Um, consider them as part of my marketing plan. I wanted to ask you as a popular blogger, Olivia, what what's your opinion on that or your advice for people considering using bloggers and social media influencers as part of their marketing strategy? Yeah, definitely. Look, um, I guess for me, the simplest way that I could explain it to people is if you watch a TV show on TV, on free-to-air TV, there are adverts. And those adverts, are there to keep the station running, to keep those TV programs on for you. So, you know, if you look at a blogger, you've got to imagine that, okay, they're putting the time and effort into giving you their show effectively. These advertisements and these sponsored posts or paid posts or even gifted product are essentially what keep us running. So um, for a very long time when I was, you know, getting my name out there and starting to get bigger and bigger, people do contact you and you know, offer to send free products. And it was great to start with. I was like, oh, wow. But then you sort of realize very quickly that it's not necessarily 
the right fit for you and you start to feel the pressure to post and it can, you know, if there's no set out guidelines or conversation up front about what this is in return for or what's expected, it can get quite grey and, you know, can get nasty. So um, I guess when I made that leap into wanting to make a business and monetize my blog that I was like, okay, I'm only going to work with people I want to work with and brands that I want to work with and that I think that I can represent well. And, you know, it it can get a bit awkward sometimes when someone contacts you and says, hey, I want to gift you free product. You've sort of got to make that clarification. Okay, is it just gifted product? Are you expecting a post? What do you expect out of me? Um, and I think it's very important that people do, from both sides, be 100% honest on what the expectation is because essentially if you approach an influencer or a blogger or someone and say, I want to give you product, I want you to post, you're acknowledging that they are a point of advertising for you and going back to that TV reference, advertising is not free. Traditionally, yeah. it is not free. So, um, you know, you couldn't go to Channel 9 and say, hey, I want to pimp my product, you know, in your ads. They're going to say, well, it's, you know, $250,000. And it is. It's determined by your audience and your reach and your engagement and your product and its relevancy. Um, and depending on what that person wants, like, I think it's very poor form for bloggers and influencers just to send you an email back and say, yeah, no problems, it'll cost you this much money because there's no thought going into that. They're basically saying, yeah, you can pay me to advertise and I don't care what it is. I think it's very important that brands and, you know, people offering a product or service put in the time and energy to at least look at their product and look at who they want to like like target and – you know, who they want it to to go to because sometimes I get contacted by people and the product has no relevancy to us and I'm like, look, I, I don't think that I can really promote that well for you. So I think it comes from both sides. I think both people need to stop and think and they need to look and they need to make an evaluation on whether they like that product and whether they want to promote it. And sometimes someone will offer me a product and I'll be like, yep, I love it. I was going to buy it anyway, send it on through. Um, But then there's a gray area where someone might send you something, especially clothes or beauty products, and it doesn't work for you or it doesn't look good on you. And you need to establish with people up front, should this not work, what is going to be the recourse for that? Am I going to send the product back? Whose expense is it going to be? All right, Olivia. So thank you so much for that really honest answer. I think it's going to give people on both sides, as you said, the bloggers and the people with physical products and services. Um, it's going to bring a lot of clarity to that issue. And I love your analogy of relating using bloggers and social media influencers to advertise kind of if we start to think of it as, you know, TV ads on free to air TV, obviously people have built a business for many years being unpaid as a blogger um, and, you know, for them to keep doing that, there needs to be some type of payment and their service and their value is their audience. So if you feel that that is an important part to growing your business, then we kind of need to get our heads around it that, that, that this is it is a way to kind of market ourselves. So if it's an organic fit between the product that you have and what that blogger is about, then it's a good relationship. But definitely cover yourself because I think there are some 
biz mums out there in the mums with hustle community that have been burnt they've sent their they've sent their products off to bloggers and they've never received like any photographs or any social media yeah, and that, that's um, exposure from them at all yes so you know we hear a lot of that but that comes down to that having that transparency and that clarity between both parties to begin with and is it a gift what are the expectations? Is the blogger allowed to write about the product freely or are you kind of dictating how they write about it and, and exactly. all of that stuff? Yeah. yeah. And especially if you want to have some creative control over the post, um, I'm quite upfront with people that if, if it is a paid paid post, that um, that fee they're paying for is, is not really for them to have any alterations or creative control of it. I tell them what my idea is and um, how I would integrate it for us and, you know, and, and I post. And especially yes. if people want something like exclusivity for the product type or they want to have any creative control or, like you said, you know, want to have some kind of, you know, dictation on when and uh, what is posted, then the price goes up because essentially yes. you're paying for more. Um, I get brands quite often say to me, like, we don't want you to work with anyone else in the space. And I'm like, you yeah, ain't yeah. paying me enough for that, like, um, you know, shutting potential business out for six, 12 months or something like that, um, you know, for someone who's just sending you a couple of clothes, like it's a huge risk of people and I personally wouldn't go down that track because it can get messy. So, um, yeah, I guess for like biz mums, you know, who are sending their product and that is just do a bit of research on who you want to work with, ask other people who they've worked with. Um, I do think there are some people in the space that abuse, I guess, the, some of the perks that there is, you know, getting free product or being paid. But for the ones that take it seriously, what is their business? Um, I guess there needs to sort of be a bit of understanding and respect that, hey, you know, this is, they're doing what they're doing essentially in providing income and, yeah. and working. So It's a different product, but yeah. it's all the yeah. Like it, it's one in the same. It's all bread and exactly. butter at the end of the day. Yeah. Ah, I love it. What That's a it. fresh take <laughs> on that whole issue. Okay, well, we're going to wrap things up, Olivia. I just wanted to conclude by saying a massive, massive thank you for your honesty and for the value that you provided here on the podcast. I think you've helped a lot of people to kind of um, decide even if blogging is something that they want to go into because, as we've said many times, it is not easy. And then even in giving people confidence, I think what you've shared is definitely going to help people find their voice and realize what type of blogger that they want to be and find that authentic angle that they can then use to best serve their audience and clients and and grow from there. And because there is a distinction between being a hobby blogger and a a blogger that does it as their business. So that's, I think you help bring a lot of clarity on that. What is, what is coming up for you? I know you touched on it briefly, um, but yeah, what, what's happening there at House of White and also how can we connect with you? Um, I guess obviously the things that I mentioned previously when I was talking about achievements, um, I did decide that for the second half of this year that I wanted to work on a few passion projects rather than, you know, paid work and sponsored posts because, um, you know, you want to use your, you want to use your platform to give back. And I'm doing not just things in the blog, but in my local community, I, I live in, um, in Gippsland. So, you know, we don't see much stuff like that down here. So it's really good to do that and, you know, there are quite a lot of young mums down here. Um, so being able to do stuff for them and with them is really exciting. Um, I obviously started the Facebook 
Facebook live videos a couple of weeks ago and I sort of did some forward planning on those of, you know, different topics that I want to talk about. And similar to my blogs, like it's quite personal stuff, but people can jump on um, Thursday nights at um, 8 p.m. Like I'm trying to sort of do them at the same time so then people sort of know and can expect where they're going yeah. to be. Um, which is, you know, I think a very important thing when you're a blogger and trying to generate that consistency. And, and I, I was thinking of going down the YouTube path, but I decided that so much time and effort goes into editing videos that I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, so if people want to follow us, um, we're on Instagram, which is just House of White with an underscore. That's the same as our Twitter and our Pinterest. We've got an underscore. Facebook is House of White Blog. And, of course, the blog itself is houseofwhite.com.au. So we do have an AU at the end there. So I remember when I started my blog that I don't even know what I was thinking. I actually checked if the White House was free. So oh. obviously it's not. Uh, apparently oh. apparently someone in America uses that one. Yeah. Lucky you um, checked. Yeah, because that could have been really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I actually, like, Googled to check if that was free, like if oh. I checked that domain was free, I was like, wow. Like, this is one of those things that you don't admit to and I've just yeah. admitted to it. So, <laughs> Yeah, you've admitted it to a lot of people in many countries that's one, just That's now. one thing I will tell people to do. If ever you want to start a blog <laughs> or an Instagram or create an identity for yourself, don't just check the handles on social media. Check if it's a registered business name. Check, you know, who else is using that hashtag. Just check everything. Yeah, because it could be someone really important like you just learned. Yeah, yeah it could be something that you don't want to associate with. It could be something you're going to compete with, especially when it comes to SEOs, uh, search engine, you know, optimization and that kind of thing. You know, there there could be some big competitors out there for you. So make sure you do your research or even employ someone to do the research for you. Oh, I love it. That's a really good tip there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just chuck one more in there before we wrap things up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, this girl's good. I love it. Okay. All right, Olivia. Well, thank you so much and best of luck. I love the idea of the Passion Project. I can't wait to see how it all turns out for you. Um, and, yeah, I look forward to checking out your Facebook lives a bit more and getting to know that other side of you through your social media. And you just keep doing what you do because you're totally rocking it. And congrats on everything to date. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay. So isn't Olivia White just the coolest chick when it comes to blogging, but also just in how giving she was of all of that incredible blogging wisdom? So all of that stuff that she shared is gold. And I have made sure to put that in the show notes that accompanies this podcast. So if there was something that you think you missed, definitely head over to the show notes that accompanies this episode. And I'm sure you're going to find it right there. One key thing though, that I really, really want to stress to you is my firsthand experience as a blogger and podcaster. And these are my words of wisdom. So take them if you will. But really, I get asked all the time, what was the thing that really just kept that momentum going for us here at Mums with Hustle that allowed us to build our blog and our biz so quickly? Here's the hot tip. Consistency. So right from the get-go, 
I decided that every Monday it was going to be a podcast episode that would come out. And every Friday we would have a brand new blog post that would come out. And we stuck to that, regardless if there were two people visiting the website or if there were thousands. Now, you just keep going. What that did for me, it created great habits and it created consistency and that consistency made momentum. And even in those early days where there were maybe just a handful of people popping over and checking out mumswithhustle.com, those people were coming and they expected to have the goods delivered. So it was my job to do that for them. No way was I going to let them down by one week just thinking, eh, there's only a few people coming over to the website or I don't even know how many people are reading this. Why bother? I'm just going to have a nice week off. No way, Jose. That ain't how we do things at Mums With Hustle. So if I was to have a total truth girl chat with you, biz mum to biz mum, I would be telling you that you need to get serious and you need to get real with your blog. Is it a hobby or is it a biz? Because if it's a biz, then you need to be blogging with consistency, whether that's once a week or once a fortnight or twice a week, whatever it is, know your target audience, know when they're going to be reading your stuff and deliver it to them. Give them your best all the time. So once again, I want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsor of this episode, The Argyle Affair. Don't let your fear of market stall styling put you off from applying to be a vendor at this awesome market either. The ladies are biz mums themselves and they are there to help with all that stuff by providing assistance and advice where necessary. So if you are serious about wanting to get your biz off the internet and in front of your target audience, you need to head to theargyleaffair.com and apply to become a vendor at this super boutique niched market affair. Okay. Until next time, beautiful hustlers, keep hustling and I will catch you around on social media and then back here on the podcast next week for a brand new episode of the Mums with Hustle podcast. Love ya. Bye.